Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, it's good to be back. We, you know, we we gave a little, I gave a little teaser at the end of the last episode. Last episode was our season finale of season two and i said there's always a cliffhanger at the end of season two are some of these characters not coming back is gage gonna die at the end of the episode or 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 is he gonna be left bleeding on the floor and we don't know but for all of you who are on the edge of your seat we both uh we both are back we survived our last episode about buildings blew up it wasn't yeah, any the, love interest lost. We didn't find out that the entire season two was a dream and that none of that really happened. That's Podcast a, a, Inception. That's a, oh, well, it's a further back than that. It's a episode of, uh, of, of the show Dallas from the eighties, but I'm, I'm dating myself, uh, by, by me. No, they've made a remake of that. There's now a, there's, no, there's a new Dallas out that's, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't change the original. You don't change the original. Like coming along later and and trying to make a remake on that is like it's that's 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 heresy. So yeah, I mean we we know who shot Jr. It's fine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So anyway, well, hey, we are uh, we are starting season three, and we are excited. We're going to do a uh, a new series uh, throughout season three, and I, I we could explain what it's about really. In two ways, the first would be to introduce a big a 50 cent theology word, and that is to say throughout season three, we're going to be talking about hermeneutics. So, Gage, can you explain to our listeners what hermeneutics is? Yeah, hermeneutics, uh, basically in a simple definition, is the science of interpreting the Bible. It's it's helping you understand what the Bible means um, and how how to apply it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And and the truth is, everyone has a hermeneutic. The question is, is it a good one or a bad one? Does it make any sense? So sometimes you'll hear preachers, you'll hear theologians talk about about hermeneutics, and, and, and they'll refer to this particular teacher's hermeneutic versus that particular teacher's hermeneutic, because different uh, theological traditions— uh, sometimes use a, a different uh, lens, a different way they think through the scriptures, and and that stuff matters a great deal. Quite often, you can be uh, you can be talking to somebody from a different tradition, and you're just not connecting with them. They're just not getting what you're saying, and you're not getting what they're saying. And so often it boils down to they have a completely different hermeneutic. They believe different things about the Scripture, about the nature of Scripture, about the nature of man, and how we are to interpret it. And it matters an enormous amount. Everything really, in some sense, boils down to hermeneutics. Yeah, and you don't have to be a 
um, seminary student or a uh, pastor or a professor to do hermeneutics, um, that everybody's doing hermeneutics, right? The, the athlete that puts uh, Philippians 4.13 on, on their wristband or, or under their, their eyes, um, they're doing hermeneutics. Or the, the loving person who hands you a graduation gift at your high school or college graduation and puts Jeremiah 29.11 on, on the present and tells you that the, the Lord um, knows the plans that he has for you. They're, they're operating under a hermeneutic and and both of those are probably misapplications of the text. Um, we'll get into that this season. Um, but all of it kind of boils down to hermeneutics. But if you um, don't understand that, if you don't understand that you're, you're not defining things the same way, you're not reading things the same way, you're not looking at things in the same context, oftentimes when you get into dis- to discussions, um, you'll not realize you're talking past one another. I had a friend this week that uh, asked me if I wanted to get into a discussion with some guys over baptism. Um, And I think in that, that's a common conversation as Presbyterians that we have on a regular basis that they always want us to debate other people on baptism. But even in that, my, my good buddy uh, Kevin Hale is always famous for saying, um, at the end of the day, it has to start with w- how we're defining baptism and how we're defining what happens at baptism. If we're from the jump saying two different things and, and thinking two different things and believing two different things are happening at baptism, we're talking past each other. We're, I mean, at, at its core, hermeneutics are the same way. If you take just a literal interpretation to the Bible, you're going to process things drastically different than someone who... Um, see certain parts of the scripture allegorically or see certain parts of the scripture um, using figurative language or symbolic language, um, you're obviously going to read passages uh, of importance differently. Yeah, and and this could not be more timely. Obviously, uh, you think, well, isn't isn't this always important? It is always important, but we are in an election year. And we are talking to if you're a, if you are listening to podcasts, that probably means you also have some engagement with social media. You're you maybe you're somewhat tech savvy, and you cannot you cannot scroll through your Facebook feed without seeing some sort of meme that is a reference to a, a Bible verse and something happening in current events, mm-hmm. and so often. You'll see Christians, you know, uh, if you agree with this, like and type amen. And there's this long chain of people just completely mishandling the Bible and making the Bible, turning the Bible into a wax nose that they can make it say anything whatsoever. So what we're hoping to do this season, Gage, and everybody else is we're hoping hoping to spend each episode giving you uh, a tool to put into your hermeneutical toolbox so that when you are when you crack open your Bible and you land on a verse that you don't understand or you land on a passage that you don't understand that you rather than just close your Bible and say I can't understand the Bible. I can't. I'm. I'm not going to be able to make sense of it. What we want you to do is we want you to open up your hermeneutical toolbox and use some of these tools to decipher, to unpack what the Bible means. And these 
tools will help you immensely in your Christian walk and it help you and and not so that you will be puffed up, not so that you'll be the smartest guy in the room, but so that you'll understand what God is saying to us, understand what he's not saying and that you'll love Jesus more. That's our hope. Absolutely. And and we'll we'll get into we'll invite some guests to help us with it. We got some some really good guests coming. I'm really excited um, about some of the guests that we have for season three. Um, so we'll, we'll invite some people to help us with this conversation. And also um, we'll get into some, some pretty helpful discussions as far as um, schools of thought when it comes to interpreting the Bible. We'll talk about the difference between um, dispensationalism and covenant theology. You know, as Presbyterians, we hold to covenant theology and that school of thought uh, shapes our scriptures differently than uh, dispensationalism, which tends to affect um, a lot of our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters or our more charismatic brothers and sisters. And it's a school of thought that's really only been on the scene for the, for the last hundred years or so. And so we'll talk about how um, maybe without even realizing uh, dispensationalism may have affected the way you read the Bible or whether you understand um the Old Testament even. And so we'll talk about uh, how to think through that and then some of the, the strength and, and the weaknesses there. And uh, hopefully you will walk away from this season um, more equipped and feel like at the end of the day, when I open my Bible, I know how to use this. I know how to read this. I know how to understand it. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, one of the things, so some of the t- things we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about genre. We're going to talk about the what genre of the Bible am I reading right now? Um, if you walk to, the, if you go to the library, you're going to a bookstore. You'll see all these sections, right? You'll see mysteries, you'll see science fiction, you'll see history, you'll see cooking, so on and so forth. Well, the Bible is is also that way. It's all inspired by God. It's all God's word, but God has has chosen to communicate with us in various ways. Sometimes he is speaking to us using poetry. Sometimes he's giving it to us just historical narrative. And then the Israelites did this, and then God did that, and then this happened, and then that happened. Uh, sometimes he's giving us uh, the, the gospels, which are biographies. You've got historical books. You've got poetry. You've got prophecy. You've got apocalyptic langu- uh, uh, literature. Each of these each of these genres have their own rules with which we understand things. I, I use an illustration sometime about about understanding genre and understand. Um, and, and so imagine imagine you see a uh, a headline in the front page of the newspaper and it says massacre in St. Louis. And you think, oh, my goodness, there has been a, a mass shooting. There has been something horrific has happened. There's been a massacre in St. Louis. It's a, I see it on the front page of the paper. There it is in black and white. But imagine that headline is not on the front page of the of this paper. Imagine now that you read that headline on the front page of the sports section, Massacre in St. Louis. You're not going to weep and mourn that people have died. You're going to know that the St. Louis Cardinals got beat really badly or they beat somebody really badly. And there'll be a picture there, right, of a scoreboard. And and what happened there? Same words, same newspaper. But what did we do? In our brain, we let the genre 
affect how we read it. Uh, uh, I, I say, imagine you you see a um, an ad in the classifieds that says uh, gay that uh, says uh, gay Jordan is selling his Jeep Wrangler and it's fully loaded. What what does fully loaded mean? You're gonna loaded means it's got it's got um, uh, all the bells and whistles, right? It's got power windows and doors. It's got uh, it's got Bluetooth. It's got all these features. But then you read maybe uh, a letter to the editor that someone says, "I saw Gage Jordan stumble out of a bar the other night, and he was loaded." What happened there? <laughs> loaded. Yeah. I, by the way, Gage didn't stumble out of a bar loaded the other night. Uh, uh, what What do we do? We let the genre that we're reading, we let the, 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 whether it's the classifieds or it's a narrative, we let it define our terms for us. That one little rule alone will absolutely revolutionize how you read your Bible. And so few Christians have have had a minister sit down with them or a, or a trusted Christian teacher sit down with them and just show them some very, very simple things. And it, it, this is huge, right? Um, we come from a tradition as uh, – those in the Reformed faith, right? And we're, we're even a part of the Society of Reformed Podcast. Uh, shout out to those brothers, right? In, in the Reformed context, this all starts from a tradition of believing that you don't have to have several degrees to understand this, right? right. That um, John Wycliffe and, and Tyndall, those guys suffered and were persecuted to get the Bible into a language that the common person could understand. The reformers then carried on that tradition further. We believe that anyone could sit down and do, do this for you. But even when you're dealing with, with genre, um, oftentimes you'll, you'll have maybe folks that'll open the, open the Bible randomly. Right. Uh, and they'll they'll read something and it'll and they'll try to then apply it um, to their context. Well, maybe it's a messianic passage about Jesus and it's not about you, right? And, and I think that matters. Or you'll read um, symbolic, poetic, prophetic language in Isaiah that's talking about uh, the coming nations that are going to bring Israel into captivity. And you'll think it, it applies to the 2020 election. And you do really weird things with the text because you don't understand what you're reading. Um, genre is huge. Genre keeps you from uh, reading um, Proverbs and, and realizing that uh, some of the things in Proverbs are, are not necessarily in, in subject order. And you'll uh, apply those in a, in a way um, that's totally unhelpful or, or it'll, you'll read Hosea and think that it's, it's a love story uh, that needs to, needs to be written and a, and a movie that needs to be made about a, a guy and a girl. When in reality um, it's a prophet showing Israel um, their sin and their need for a savior. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, another another tool we're going to highlight this season is we're going to talk about context and context. Context is the uh, is understanding what's going on in the preceding passage is not just crack taking the people are guilty of taking an exacto knife to a verse uh, and exactoing it out and taking it and blowing it up and putting it on their fridge and ignoring the context of what's being said. And when you remove verses from their context, they, you know, I say to our church, uh, as often as I can, a text without a context is a con. It, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to lead people astray. It's hard to fool people about the meaning of a text when it's placed in context. I, sometimes you've probably had this happen. Everybody has. If you're if you're driving in your car and you're talking on your cell phone, you're talking to your friend. Sometimes they'll be talking and they'll be telling you a story, and their voice will drop out for a second. Right? They go through a little dead area. And then when they come back in, they don't know that you couldn't hear them and they just pick up back with their story. I mean, I I use, imagine you're talking to somebody and the phone drops out and then they said, and then when they come back in, they say, and so that's why I decided to sell my house and shave my head. And (laughs) And you're like, um, wait, 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 my, the phone cut out for a second. What happened? And come to find out they've, they sadly have, chemotherapy and they're going to lose their hair. And so they're going to go ahead and just shave it. And they also decided they're going to move closer to where the treatment center is. So they, so they're going to sell their house and shave their head now. So what sounded like a crazy thing, when you get a little bit of context, you go, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I do understand that. And we do that with scripture all the time. And it is so troubling. Uh, they, they say the three rules in real estate are location, location, location. And the three rules in, in interpreting the Bible are context, context, context. And if you think about it, what is context? It's location, location, location. Where is this? So context is going to help us with knowing the genre that we're reading, of course, right? Because it's going to it's going to zoom out, and context is going to help us understand what is being talked about. And it's and, and again, this isn't hard when we read the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If we skip the verse at the beginning that says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a story for the for that. This is what that's about. This is about self-righteousness and, and, and the unkindness towards others that flows from that. And I got that, not because I'm a genius, not because I'm a Bible scholar, but because I just scrolled up a little bit on the page and read a few verses ahead. Absolutely. So, so context saves you from, you know, we mentioned Philippians 4.13. Um, if you read that passage and you think that that means um, that the, the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to uh, obliterate the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend. Probably not going to happen um, just on paper. I hope for the best, but um, that's not what that passage is talking about. As a matter of fact, it's not um, a charge for you to be able to beat your high school football team uh, on Friday night. It's um, in the context of Paul being in jail and him talking about, I've had a lot. 
and I've had nothing, right? <laughs> I've been okay. I've been shipwrecked. I've been well-fed. I've been beaten. I've uh, felt warm and cared for and had a place to stay. And I've uh, had my back beaten with a cat of nine tails and thrown in jail. He's currently in jail at the beginning of the letter, right? That's the whole, the whole thing begins with, Hey, I know there's some guys that they're preaching out, out of rivalry and they're trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm in jail. Let them do it. Cause at the end of the day, people are hearing about Jesus. It's fine. That's the beginning of the letter. So by the time you get to chapter four, when you read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you read it even in the context of the paragraph to him talking about the, the sufferings and the struggles that he's dealing with in jail. And so now if it's about right. Paul dealing with suffering, that's so much better than I can, you know, I can lose weight for Jesus or I can, right. you know, beat this basketball team for Jesus or, or whatever the case may be. We talked about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and we'll do a whole episode on, on that. So I don't want to give too much away, but it's, I hate to break it to you. And I know people are well-meaning and they want to give you uh, encouragement when they do this. It's not about you graduating from school. It's just right. not. Um, it's actually Jeremiah telling you, despite your circumstances, despite the fact that you're about to go into captivity and you're about to get marched, Jeremiah literally gets marched naked <laughs> into captivity. Um, but it's God speaking to his prophet saying, but I know what I'm going to do with you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not asleep at the wheel. And I, I, this is going to look like the worst case scenario, but I haven't given up on you. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't decided, you know what? You're, you're too much of a sinner. You're too much of a headache. You're too much. You're more than I bargained for. I'm going to start over with another nation. No, I know. I know the plans I have for you, but it may not look like it at this moment. It's actually that's that's way more of a life verse in the midst of 2020, right? Yeah. That's that's way more of an encouragement um, for those of us that are in the midst of a global pandemic. And every day, it's like, what else are we going to deal with? Tornadoes or market crashes or job losses or whatever the case may be. Murder that's way more. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's way more of an, an encouragement um, than, hey, let me give you this life verse so you can go to college now. Because what if you don't yeah. go to college? Does the Lord not know? Uh, the plans that he has for you if you decide to go into the vocational world, you know, and, and, and so context is huge. Yeah, we're going to uh, what what we're hoping to do uh, is we're hoping to tackle a verse each week. And so let me go ahead as we as we come to a close, let me go ahead and tell you some of the verses that we're going to unpack. We obviously talked about Philippians four. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me uh, and, you know, which which Tim Tebow famously has on his under his his uh, in the the black paint under his eyes as a football player, Evander Holyfield had it on his boxing trunks. Um, which you, you, at some point you just have to go. What if the other player also has that verse on his boxing trunks? Is it a tie? I mean, is did, this a, did the, is, the could he still do all things that Christ who strengthened him when he got his ear bit off? I'm interested in it. Right, right. What 
what am I communicating with this? So we're going to deal with, we're going to talk about uh, Philippians four. We're going to talk about Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, I know the plans I have. Those are, those are the two big cross stitch on a pillow and give to somebody um, verses. Second Chronicles seven. If my people who are called according to my name will humble themselves, the, the verse that, you know, you'll see people have, have drawn uh, the flag of the United States with a highlighter over that verse. Um, Second Chronicles 7 is not about the United States of America. Uh, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about um, Proverbs 22, 6, raise up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he not depart from it. We've got a, a Hebrew scholar, um, a, a renowned Hebrew scholar, who's going to join us to talk about that. And also, we're going to talk about 1 Samuel 13, 14, about David, God choosing David because he was a man after his own heart. So we are super excited about these verses, and we hope that you'll find this series to be helpful. We hope these will be shareable episodes whereby you can pass this along to a friend and say, hey, check this out. This is a, a verse that I probably have misunderstood most of my life. And now not only do I understand that that, that interpretation was wrong, I understand why it's wrong and how to get to the right interpretation on my own. Because teaching the Bible, Gage, and everybody else should be like watching a cooking show. You know, when I, when I watch a cooking show um, – what it does is it gives me confidence that I might could make that. You 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 are watching somebody. Sometimes you there's a food you've eaten your entire life. You've never made it. You'd never thought you could make it. And then you see somebody on TV do it and you go, "Oh, oh that's how they that's how they get the icing to be smooth. They have the that little thing that spins the cake around and they hold the knife still. That's amazing." I think I could do this. And so uh, you get confidence in in your ability to cook by watching someone else do it. And good Bible teaching, good preaching shouldn't just be the minister getting up and and telling you what the word of the Lord says. He definitely should do that, but he should show his work, as your math teacher would say. I see you got mm-hmm. the answer there. Show me your work. And we've got to do that in the pulpits, and we've got to do that with with our brothers and sisters when we sit down shoulder to shoulder with them, and we open the Bible and we say, "Here's why we're here's why we're saying this, and here's why your interpretation there is is lacking, is wrong." Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? Well, we learn some simple hermeneutics. Yep. And at, at the end of the day, you know, R.C. Sproul has a great book. We'll put it in the show notes called. Um, everybody's a theologian. Oh, yeah. um, and there's also knowing scriptures, another, another great one. Um, both of those books are, are extremely helpful for, for various reasons. One it's, it's helpful because at the end of the day, every single person that opens the Bible is doing hermeneutics. You're right. interpreting what you're reading. Somehow you're either doing it in a weird conspiracy theory i need to like that that meme from workaholics i need to try to tie all the threads in into something about how uh, secretly this is about the kennedy assassination you know or um or you're interpreting it in in such a context where you're letting the spirit who has inspired and and breathed out this word um for our benefit for life and godliness and for us to know the gospel um you're 
applying that to your life uh, in, in its proper context with proper uh, an intent from the, the author uh, and, and you're, you're bridging the gap there. But at the end of the day, you're doing theology. Once you, once you take something that, that is being said about God uh, and about what he has for you um, and how he wants man to live. And you then are carrying out the thing that you read. You're now doing theology. Everybody's a theologian. Everybody does hermeneutics. There's tons of resources. We'll drop those um, in the show notes. Um, and hopefully at, at the, the end of the day, through this whole season, you'll walk away better un- understanding your Bible. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, folks, we are excited about this. Be uh, uh, be sure and like, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, keep sharing our, our posts on social media. It, it definitely helps. We are we were, are excited at the, the way our audience is growing, and we're excited about the number of international listeners we have. We've been watching. We host the, We host this podcast through a company called Buzzsprout, and they've got really great statistics where we're able to look and see down to the city where people are listening. And so it's always really cool when I see some tiny city in a foreign country and there's four downloads on one episode. That's got to mean that somebody heard it and then went and said, hey, I want you to listen to this. And so that is always that brings us so much joy. So if the if this podcast has been uh, helpful to you, if it has ministered to you in some way, drop us an email. Gage, what's our email address? Our email address is contact at assuranceofpardon.com. Yeah, you mentioned the the um, international audiences. It's great to see that we got a collection of of listeners in Puerto Rico with uh, my friend um, Bradney that's the OPC pastor down there and his friends. You've got um, a group in, in Belfast in Ireland. You've got a group in the UK. You've got a group in Australia. Um, and so it, it, it's interesting that it's not just one. If it was just one listener, you may think it was a bot, but it's like 20, 30, 40 um, yeah. listeners in, in the, those areas. We just recently <clears throat> surpassed 6,000 downloads. Thank you guys so much for that. This is our 26th episode. Um, I don't know if we mentioned uh, the last episode we ended uh, with distilling theology was number 25. So we're hitting, hitting milestones and, and, and super thankful that this is resonating with our listeners. Um, be sure, like Scott said, to rate us, review us, share this podcast. We always love to hear from you. This is Assurance of Pardon. God bless.